Hazy Podcast is brought to you by EK the DJ and Michael Reed. Join them each season as they discuss the adventures contained in various audiobooks. This season, they'll be providing reactionary commentary on the So I Got Hazed audiobook by Michael Reed. Chapter 16, Basement Week. November 1st, Broken Leg and a Schmeg. Since Eric's femur was broken, I had to push his wheelchair around for the rest of the semester. Even though I was his little brother, I felt like our roles were reversed, and I was taking care of him. I learned a humility that was new to me by pushing Eric around. I was such a shallow young kid that I felt like women wouldn't check out the guy pushing the wheelchair around. You never hear a woman say, Aww, if I were ever to become disabled, I know that's a man that I would want to take care of me. I could fall in love with a man like that. I think you should appreciate my honesty in that story and just that, like, I was not afraid to put in all the bad parts of my personality and good parts of my personality. And I think that, like, a young person might feel as though they're burdened by another person's disability because they don't get to go do fun things. But at the same time, they're enriched and they don't see that usually. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the the idea... Of, of pledging was all like to serve your brothers to become your brother right so like you don't really appreciate it until you're on the other side and like even that like beyond beyond it like i feel now the way that i treated you guys as pledges yeah yeah there was some there was some hazing but like i feel like what i did was with purpose most most of what I did was like with purpose. As you said that, I just had like a flash of like hundreds of hazes in which I made other people do, which had no purpose other than at the time <laughs> to make me feel better. And now I feel like a piece of shit queuing up the next one. <laughs> November 1st, legit roof bong hits. We introduced one of Paul's friends to our amazing outdoor dorm room. He brought over his little bong, and we ripped quiet bong hits on the roof. The bubbling sound was so loud in the quiet night that we had to burn it in our dorm room and then blow the hit back outside. It was quite the operation for us to get ripped, but it was worth it for a bunch of dumb college kids. Evan, John, Paul, Paul's friend, and I all sat on the roof ripping bongs. It was a great day. So I guess I failed to mention in all of these previous stories, anytime I think that I mentioned that we were taking bong hits on the roof, I guess it was bowl hits on the roof. And that this was the first bong on the roof, like actual bong. Oh, you were being, you were being literal. Yes. (laughs) November 2nd, get over here. Chippy called me and can I just stop for a sec if find irony in that I named the story after the dude saying get over here from Mortal Kombat and that's what I'm watching tonight on HBO Max yeah that's <laughs> that is funny um that sound to get over here when I hear that I don't think Mortal Kombat I think pledging I think I think <laughs> get over here like uh, that how many brothers said that to you when you were pledging a lot of them and in that tone Absolutely. (laughs) 
said that I had five minutes to get to his house, or I was going to be hazed. I dropped the phone and sprinted to his house. I ran so hard that I was able to make it there with tons of time to spare. I was completely out of breath when I got there. Unfortunately for me, they still hazed me. They made me pound hot sauce. I was so pissed off that I had sprinted over there for nothing. When they were done making me drink hot sauce, Chippy got me high and made me clean his house. When I was all done cleaning, he sent me back to the dorms and told me to turn my phone off for the rest of the night. He said it was going to be a busy week and I needed my sleep. I did as he said. I turned off my phone and I hid in my dorm room for the rest of the night. I'll tell you the biggest problem with messages like that, though, is that, uh, yeah, that's what Chippy might have communicated. But Chippy might not have communicated that with the other brothers. And then when they're like, why is this motherfucker's phone off <coughs> when they try to call me? Yeah, and, and I feel that. And um, I think that was why it was important when you whenever you told the pledge to turn his phone off, you, you needed to text that to him. So that he had the evidence of, look, this brother told me to turn my phone off. I don't even think you could take screenshots back then, though. You wouldn't have to. you just show them your phone. Oh, that's true. But then you'd be fucked anyways because they would be with you. You know what I mean? Then they'd be yeah, like, well, yeah. fuck you. I got you anyways. Come with me now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This next one's a, a goodie. November 2nd. Are you not entertained? When I saw James the next morning, he looked exhausted. What the hell happened to you? James looked at me with exhaustion and said, I was fast asleep in my room when I got a call around 3 a.m. Of course I was terrified not to answer, because phone dodging is a sin, punishable by unthinkable means. To my utter dismay, Kyle and Forrest were on the other end, demanding that I come to the chapter house and entertain them. I asked them, respectfully, how the fuck am I supposed to do that? They told me to use my resources, so I pedaled my beach cruiser up the hill, guitar in tow, hoping to satiate their need for entertainment. When I walked in, I realized this was not going to be as easy or as quick as I'd hoped. The bastards were blowing railroad tracks up their noses and slugging whiskey from the bottle. They laughed and told me to start playing guitar and not to stop until they said so. I wanted to laugh, just because of how well he was telling the story, but I kept quiet and let James continue. Now, Mike, I'm not very good at guitar. I played every song I knew, which took up a whole 15 minutes or so before I hit a wall. When they were tired of my desperate attempts to appease them, they told me to call Tony. Poor, sweet Tony. Afraid of similar ramifications for phone dodging, he answered his phone. He agreed to come help me feed their drug-fueled lust for entertainment. By this time, it was close to 5 a.m., and of course, we both had class this morning. James sighed. We were sent to the basement to figure out a way to keep them laughing. Out of desperation, we finally called Krabs and asked him if this was normal behavior or if we should be concerned. For the first time since I started pledging, Krabs gave a damn. He came to the chapter house in record time, chewed out Kyle and Forrest for being irrational and depraved drug fiends, and sent us home. If only they had included us in their party, I would have played that fucking guitar until the sun came up. At this point, Telling him I had to pound a little hot sauce the night before seemed insignificant. I think James telling that story 
and me capturing word for word exactly how he told it makes the story so much better. Wow. Yeah, that it's it read like him too. Like, yes. <laughs> Depraved drug fiends. If if they would have included me in their party, I would have played the guitar until the sun came up. <laughs> We asked Krabs if this was normal behavior. Instead of ratting, he's like, hello, I'm just wondering if it's a normal thing for us to be up, you know, at like 4 or 5 a.m. <laughs> that was a good strategy. Brilliant. November 3rd. Day one, basement week. The first day we got to the house, it was pure chaos. The event seemed like it was thrown together somewhat haphazardly, like the rest of our other events. It was a Wednesday, and we were going to be in the house as long as Sig H wanted. We estimated that it would last until the weekend at most. There were a lot of brothers that turned out for the start of this event. They were there to greet us, and chanted when we all arrived. They attempted to trick us into thinking it was Hell Week when we were the wiser. The idea of sleeping in the chapter house was an awful thought, if even for a day, let alone a few days. James and Tony didn't care. They wanted to sleep. They were exhausted from getting hazed earlier in the morning. Sleeping anywhere in the house is not something I'd wish upon anyone. There weren't any safe places. The doors were always unlocked. Everyone wanted to haze us, and the basement had to be regularly swept so we wouldn't get glass on ourselves. The uncertainty of a safe and sound sleep, coupled with the idea of being locked down in the house, was a terrifying thought. Since it was late when we got there, and the brothers had to study for tests or watch sports, we had a one-hour haze session in the basement. We did air chairs, ate onions, drank vegetable oil, we were tested on the Greek alphabet, fraternal knowledge, and capped off the night with a few steamrollers. While we were eating our onions in the basement, John threw his onion to his feet. It was almost as if, at that moment, there was enough silence in between the brothers yelling at us to hear the distinct thud of an onion. They asked whose onion it was, and I said it was John's, and they made me eat it in addition to my onion for ratting. When the hazing was done, the taste of onion was bonded to my tongue. It was also coming out of my pores. I smelled like an onion boy. Thankfully, we weren't bothered for the rest of the night. We went to Eric and Chippy's to smoke some weed. We got nice and right, and then came back to the chapter house to find safe spots to sleep. John had the best spot of them all, and picked the sofa, depending on how you weigh comfort versus bacteria. The rest of us fanned out, to spots that were behind things. Tony hid behind the bar and DJ table in the main party room. I slept behind the Malt Liquor Monday bar, across from John. I had to sleep on top of some clothes I had brought because the floor was so sticky. James slept right out in the open in the other bar room and then was shouting to us how comfortable he was because he could spread out. We tried to make the best of the situation. The good part for us was that we could get a lot of interviews done to avoid staying at the house during the day. We could also skip classes until we got caught and I could use my need to go to the first study lounge as an excuse to disappear as well. When we had class, or study hall, this is when we could go back to our dorm rooms to shower and hide out. We doubted that any brother would come to the dorms to see us. 
Brothers also wouldn't be able to get into our rooms if we had our dorms shut. All they could do is knock. We could play Silent Ninja if they did, and they would think we weren't in our room. Our other plan was to go and hang out at brothers' houses when they were in class, and just relax in their empty houses. If they came home, or a roommate came home, or another brother came by, we could always say we just got there, and make up any excuse after that. We could also ask them for their interview, and completely throw them off. We had master plans, within plans, with backup plans, stacked in between, more plans. We thought we had it all figured out. Yeah. <laughs> and then reality sunk in, right? <laughs> in the next story. <laughs> Let me just preface this next story by saying this would be the most humiliating moment in somebody else's life, but to me, I see it as a growing and a learning experience. Okay, fair. November 4th, Day 2, The Golden Shower The highlight of my day was when I sat down for one of my Thursday classes. Each student in the surrounding seats got up and moved away from me. I smelled so bad of onions, vegetable oil, and just pure schmagginess that nobody wanted to sit near me. It was funny and embarrassing at the same time. The rest of the second day passed quickly. Before I knew it, we were finished at the library at 10pm on the dot like all other nights. We didn't have a party on this particular Thursday night because we had gone so hard on Halloween the week before. Our pledge class took this opportunity to go to Chippy and Eric's to get high. Anything that we could do to stay out of that chapter house. After a few gravity bong hits, Eric said, Hey, shouldn't you guys be in the chapter house? We didn't argue. We took our cue and left. When we got back to the chapter house, not a creature was stirring, not even a brother. We took our spots on the hardwood floor, and Noel slept on the sofa, using sweaters as covers. We were talking amongst ourselves, not realizing that right above our heads, in Kyle's room, massive lines of cocaine were being taken. Forrest and Kyle came downstairs, just as we were all starting to fall asleep. Kyle started screaming, What the fuck are you guys doing upstairs? You should all be in the basement! Forrest threw John's feet off the sofa. I thought John was going to punch Forrest in the throat. What, John? Do something. You aren't sleeping on a fucking sofa during a lock-in, Forrest yelled at John. Get down in the basement, all of you. That's where you are sleeping tonight. We begrudgingly went down to the dank, dark basement. We laid in awkward positions on the cement floor of the basement, and we weren't able to get comfortable. When we heard Forrest and Kyle leave the house, John went back upstairs, took all the pillows off the sofa in the living room, and brought them downstairs. John was amazing, our basement week hero. Using the cushions, we made a tiny bed that was fit for a dog. We squeezed together like pledged sardines on our bed made of cushions. Surprisingly, it was much more comfortable than my previous spot in the bar room, and it didn't take long before we all nodded off. I opened my eyes slightly when I heard the front door of the chapter house slam upstairs above us. Forrest and Kyle were screaming and slamming around. They both came downstairs to see us all laying on our sofa cushions. What the literal fuck are you schmags doing? Did we say you could use fucking pillows, you morons? Get the fuck against the wall now. Air chairs. We all got up, some more slowly than others, and put our backs against that cold, oh-so-familiar basement wall. Hurry up. 
Now put your arms out, Forrest screamed. We stretched our tired arms out while doing wall squats. Now stay like that, and we will be back, Kyle shouted. They walked to the top of the stairs, and then Forrest raced back down to make sure we were still in the same positions. Good. Now stay like that, Forrest said, walking back upstairs. Apparently, nobody had told either of the cocaine banditos that we knew it wasn't Hell Week. As soon as we heard them walk in the kitchen, through the party rooms, and up the stairs to Kyle's room, we sat down on the basement floor. We knew the deal. If they came back downstairs, we'd quickly hop back into our air chair positions with our arms fully extended. This is bullshit, John said. After a few minutes, they came back downstairs and told us we were stupid for bringing pillows into their house to sleep on. Kyle kept barking at us like a dog, telling us how big he was. Then to our surprise, Kyle whipped out his penis and started peeing all over the cushions. Forrest and Kyle both laughed while Kyle pissed all over his own cushions. This is when our pledge class started to laugh as well. What the fuck are you losers laughing at? Kyle asked. James, being the only one able to compose himself, said, Those are your cushions, Kyle. What are you talking about? Kyle asked, now having fully emptied his bladder across the sofa cushions. Those are the sofa cushions from the upstairs sofa, Kyle, Tony remarked. Kyle went into an absolute livid tirade. The hilarity of the whole incident had embarrassed him and Forrest so badly, they were now fueled by cocaine and anger. Since Forrest and Kyle hadn't walked through the room with the sofa, they didn't even realize the cushions were missing off of it. Kyle picked up one of the cushions and threw it at us. It bounced off James's head and then ricocheted back at Forrest. When Forrest caught the pillow, he got Kyle's piss on his hand. Fucking schmags! This is like one of those stories where they're just trying to haze us and we're doing everything perfect and everything's backfiring on them. This is phenomenal. This, this, is, this is justice. Said in disgust, wiping his hands on my t-shirt. Kyle kicked the cushions to the side of the basement and told us to start doing steamrollers. While Kyle continued to yell at us, we did steamrollers. Forrest brought the pillows back upstairs to throw out. Then we heard the water running and knew we were about to be surfing. Sure enough, Forrest came back downstairs and told us to start paddling as he threw Gatorade buckets of water on us. Hey Strikes, do you think it's cool to try and fuck people in a penis costume? Hannah is dating one of our brothers, you fucking moron. You can't just go and make out with people's... The answer to that question is always yes. Always yes. Do you think it's cool to try to fuck people in a penis costume? Absolutely. Penis, banana, sandwich, any sort of vegetable or fruit. If I'm dressed in a costume, I hope I'm getting laid. <laughs> Me too. Even if you're dressed in a costume, I hope you're getting laid. Right? <laughs> Girlfriends in a fucking penis costume. Then it happened. Forrest said he was going to piss on us because we were pieces of shit. And if we looked up, he was going to keep hazing us all night long. At the time, I don't think any of us thought he was serious, nor willing to cross that line. And with all the mind games they played, we thought he may just have a water bottle. We were wrong. We heard the audible noise of Forrest unzipping his pants, and then he started peeing. Forrest peed on all of our backs, and Kyle told him to stop. Forrest and Kyle went upstairs, and we were told to stay in the basement. When they went upstairs, 
we sat up and took our shirts off. The floor was now completely soaked, and we would have to squeegee it up if we were to sleep down there. What had just happened to us was setting in. John began talking about going upstairs and slitting Forrest's throat. Tony said that it wasn't a big deal, and I wasn't sure if he pissed on us or it was a... None of this is an exaggeration at all. John was seriously talking about homicide because he was just the victim of, like, I guess, a sexual assault in a way. Yeah. That was an unwanted gold. Samar Kelly shit. Not okay. Which is what makes me think of that Dave Chappelle line where he's like, you can either sit there and get pissed on, or you can move the fuck out of the way. <laughs> the water bottle. James, on the other hand, had enough, and he felt completely violated. He took out his cell phone and called Krabs. He explained what had happened and told Krabs he had to come over. Krabs agreed and was at the house within a half hour. Unfortunately for us pledges, Krabs, our great fraternal president and safety net, was in a cocaine-fueled mindset too. When Krabs showed up to the house, he came down to the basement and asked us what happened. He looked like an overweight, flamboyant Tom Cruise when he was in Top Gun, sporting a leather coat and aviators, dress shoes, and dress pants. It was just after 4 a.m., and he was dressed like this. He had no sense of fashion. After James explained to Krabs for the second time what had happened, Krabs said he understood and went upstairs. He was up there for a half hour before he came back downstairs with Forrest and Kyle. When they came back downstairs, Forrest explained that he didn't piss on us and it was just a water bottle. We all started to argue about the legitimacy of his statement. Krabs finally interrupted and said that there would be no more hazing from Forrest for the rest of the semester. Like when a pledge starts to fucking argue back and they know they're right, it can only end in one way, and that's acceptance of what the pledge is saying. Right. Well, because otherwise... It's like I'm gonna I'll walk out of this room. Yeah, I'm done. And like that's that's like what do you think we're making this shit up? Yeah, you got to be realistic, man. Who just blew? Who just blew a ton of cocaine? And who has been <laughs> up all day? Hmm. Right. Krabs told us to clean up and get some sleep because we had classes in a few hours. He said his goodbyes and went back upstairs with Forrest and Kyle, presumably to do more cocaine. We heard the front door close, and he left around 5 a.m. We thought we were done by then. It was 5 a.m., and we had been hazed all night. This is when Forrest and Kyle came back downstairs, calling us rats, and asked who called crabs. Then Kyle said he would be hazing us, and Forrest would be watching and not help haze. This went on until 6 a.m., at which point they ran out of steam. Kyle went upstairs to crash, and Forrest left for his house. Us pledges used this opportunity to sign the sheet at the top of the stairs and get the hell out of that house. We all wrote class as the reason and left. And then we all proceeded to skip our classes and sleep for the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because, like, that that's a- what you're going to do, right? During the uh, during the toughest during the toughest time of my pledging, that was definitely when I got sleep. Was when I was supposed to be in class. Mm-hmm. 
My roommate's like, dude, you should have a shower before you lay in that bed with all the, like, stank on you. <laughs> I try to fuck bitches in our bunk bed, bro. You got to keep this shit clean. <laughs> in our bunk bed. In our bunk bed. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's phenomenal. Well, I hope that everybody checks out So They Got Hazed, my second book out on Amazon now. It is the... Not sequel to this one. It's almost like a sidestep because the sequel to this book will be probably of equal length to this book. This other one is like a, it's like a snack. It's like a little appetizer just to keep people engaged while I it's work on the other things. It's what? It's a snack for your thoughts. Yeah, it's food for thought. All right, y'all. Thank you again for listening. 